So today is Good Friday, the day on which Jesus was crucified. So why is it called Good Friday, (laughs) if that's the case? What the Jews uh, did to Jesus was definitely not good. And it didn't seem good to the disciples in the moment as they uh, mourned the loss of their teacher and their leader. The name Good Friday comes in retrospect, comes after the fact. Now that we know, spoiler alert, that Jesus rose from the dead, we recognize that his death was actually a good thing in the moment as we look on it from a future perspective. So last Sunday we we talked about the death of Jesus in detail and how sometimes, often, Jesus' death is just brushed over. We acknowledge that he died, but we don't talk about how he died. And I think um, part of that comes from uh, the world that we live in and the fact that uh, we don't talk about death too often. Our quality of life has improved so much to the point where we're pretty comfortable for the most part, right? The average life expectancy has increased a good amount over the last couple centuries. There's a story uh, about a monastery, uh, which is a, a group of Christians who have chosen to live together in, in solitude and separation from the rest of the world so they can practice their Christian beliefs by themselves. Uh, there's a story of a monastery uh, that has a cemetery on its grounds, and uh, the monks would, would, would be buried there after they died. Uh, and there would always be an empty grave there on the grounds that the monks would walk past as they went about their days, always reminded of what was to come for them. We don't like to talk about death. You might even be a little uncomfortable (laughs) as I'm talking now about it. But death is included as one of two absolutes in life, uh, one of which is uh, pretty applicable for us right now, right? Death and taxes, right? Both of those things are inevitable. And when we begin to list the, the greatest fear that people have in their lives, death is usually listed as number two greatest fear. Number one being public speaking, <laughs> uh, which I'm doing right now. Um, so for us, you know, we would rather uh, suffer death than public speak, but death is number two. And though all of us expect death to come for us at some point, it still catches us off guard, and it probably always will. It always surprises us. And we're, we're right to fear death in a way, to be afraid of it, because it's not natural. You might have heard the saying before, well, 
death is a natural part of life. Well, that's not entirely true. At least, that's not the way it was supposed to be. Right? Death was not part of God's original design for the world. It only became a reality when sin became a reality, entered into the world. God's heart is that none should perish. And so the famous pastor and speaker, uh, Tim Keller, says that we fear death for two reasons. We fear death because of what it does to our relationships. Right When we have to watch the person physically be torn away from us, it's heartbreaking. There's a strain there. Jesus' disciples experienced this as they saw him crucified and buried. The second reason that we all fear death is because we feel deep down that there must be something after death. That something that comes after death isn't completely known to us. We know some things about it, but we're still a little unsure. And death still stings us. It's still painful for us. But because of what Jesus did for us, we can see it in a new light. It might still be painful. Maybe it has a silver lining. Maybe it isn't the end. And if death isn't the end, then it's less painful. Still a little painful, but less painful. See, Jesus' death destroys the power that death holds over us. Because Jesus entered into death himself and came out on the other side of it. Because he did that, those who follow him can do the same. But the death of Jesus still caught people off guard at the time. Though he told his disciples that he must die, the people that followed him, he reminded them of what he came to do. They were still struck with grief when he passed. In the passage that I read for us, Jesus' death was prophesied in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53, where we read about the suffering servant. And though Jesus isn't named in that passage, it's pretty easy to tell that it's him. The suffering servant grew up like a tender shoot out of dry ground. The dry ground of Israel, which as Jesus said, was in desperate need of living water. The suffering servant had no beauty or majesty. From what we know about Jesus, he was just an average looking guy. The suffering servant was despised. The Jewish people did not regard him very highly. The suffering servant took up our pain and bore our suffering. Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself 
on the cross. The suffering servant was considered punished by God. He cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The suffering servant was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus' side being pierced on the cross. The suffering servant was crushed for our iniquities. The burden of sin literally weighing him down on the cross as he struggled to breathe. The suffering servant's punishment brought us peace and his wounds heal us. Jesus' blood cleanses us from our sin. The suffering servant took on iniquity that the sheep had, the sheep that went astray. Jesus called himself the good shepherd throughout his ministry, willing to die for the sheep in order to bring them back into the fold. The suffering servant was oppressed and afflicted, but did not speak. Jesus, who kept silent while he was on trial, when he went to the cross. The suffering servant was taken away in judgment. Jesus, who was crucified because the people wanted him to be crucified and yelled that in the crowd. The suffering servant was cut off from the land of the living. Jesus entered into death and descended into hell. The suffering servant was assigned a grave with the wicked. Jesus was laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a leader of the Jewish people. The suffering servant, who had done no violence or had spoken no deceit, Jesus, who never sinned and actually undid the violence that his disciple caused when he cut off the soldier's ear. The suffering servant, suffering for us so that his life would be an offering for sin. Jesus, whose blood would atone for all sin, past, present, and future. The suffering servant, whose offspring would have prolonged days and would prosper. Jesus, through whom we are welcomed into the family of God and given eternal life. The suffering servant who will see the light of life after he has suffered, Jesus, who would rise again in three days. The suffering servant whose suffering would justify many, Jesus, whose death justifies us before God. The suffering servant given a portion among the great, Jesus, who was exalted at the right hand of the Father. The suffering servant bore the sin of many. Jesus bore the sin of many. The suffering servant who interceded for the transgressors. Jesus interceded for the transgressors. He interceded for us. The book of Isaiah was written about 700 B.C., about 
700 years before the life of Christ? How could this chapter line up exactly with the life that Jesus lived? Seems almost impossible. There's more comparisons than just the ones that I drew out tonight. What's striking about this chapter is that Jesus would have known it. When he was in the temple, he taught from the Jewish scriptures. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. So he would have known that this was talking about him. And he would have gone through all of this for us. Anyways, this is what Jesus has done. And he's done it for us. Jesus is the suffering servant. So I did a, a funeral earlier this year. It was the first funeral that I've ever done. And I really struggled through, you know, what do I say? How do I comfort the family? The family um, didn't have a, a church or a pastor. They weren't believers. So how do I you know, share the gospel uh, through my eulogy? And so I, I said this, and I just kind of copied it here tonight. I said, because God loves us, he sent his son into the world to die on the cross for us so that we could be set free from death and have eternal life in him. God knows what it is like to lose someone you love because he lost his son. He has given us this way out so that death does not have to be the end. Like the famous passage in Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to weep and a time to mourn. Now is that time. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. God has these emotions too. He wants us to come to him with them. There's an entire book of the Bible named Lamentations in which the author cries out to God in grief, asking, why? In the midst of his time of affliction. And so we can do this too. But in the middle of that book, the author says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In the midst of our grief, God is there with open arms, waiting to comfort us. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to express sorrow. But that grief does not consume us. This message could be no more true than on Good Friday. Our grief does not consume us because we know that death is not the end. People say that there are three deaths. Maybe you've heard this before. The first death is when the body ceases to function. The second death is when the body is lowered into the grave. The third death is that moment when, sometime in the future, 
the person's name is mentioned for the last time. Maybe you've heard that before. So I, I went, and as I was thinking about Good Friday, I wanted to apply Jesus' death to that idea. Jesus died the first death. His body stopped functioning when he gave up his spirit. Jesus died the second death when he was buried, when he was placed in the tomb and the stone was rolled in front. But Jesus never died the third death. His name has never stopped being mentioned and it never will. And then I thought about, you know, well, is it actually true that we ever die that third death? And then I thought, well, no. Because Jesus knows our name. And Jesus never stops calling our name. And never stops mentioning our name. And all of that is because death wasn't the end for Jesus. Though we remember his death tonight and we mourn his death tonight, we're reminded that our mourning and our grief doesn't end here. And though we're sad and downcast for a little bit, we know that Sunday is coming. We know how the story ends. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we thank you that in light of the staggering, seemingly insurmountable odds against Jesus, he defeated them. We thank you that death has lost its sting. We thank you that death is not the end for us. It wasn't the end for Jesus. So may we know tonight that it's okay to be afraid of death. It's okay to be sad and to be sorrowful. But we have hope. God, it's easy to lose sight of that hope. But I pray that you would remind us of that hope. God, that you would be our present hope even in the midst of the darkest circumstances because you were present even as your son died on the cross. So we know that you will be with us always as that hope. And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.